You're listening to Sprout Money's Monthly Wrap-Up with Craig Hemke. Welcome back to the Sprout Money News and SproutMoney.com Monthly Wrap-Up segment for the month of February 2022. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us this month is Connor O'Brien. Many of you will recall we've had Connor on before. He is a business partner of Eric Sprott. So he's certainly qualified to talk about geopolitics, macroeconomics, and, and certainly the mining sector. So we'll try to cover some of that stuff today. Connor, thank you so much for your time. Hey, Craig, how are you? Well, I'm fine, thank you. I, uh, boy, I tell you, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about this month. We're recording this on the 23rd, so there's even a few days left of the month. We're a little premature in that regard. Yeah, um, yeah right. But hey, there's plenty know, going on. There certainly is. And, and before, <laughs> before we get started, I want to remind everybody, um, you know, this is all brought to you by Sprott Money. So we want to thank them for providing this content. One of the ways you can do that is become a Sprott Money customer. And they've added some what they call special price products in both gold and silver. We're going to talk a lot about the value of owning physical metal and how that's being shown again, to, especially to all the Canadians. Um, you go to SproutMoney.com, you click on either the gold or the silver tab and select specials, and it'll send you to a, a link where you'll find uh, some tremendous bullion items, coins, bars that are on sale on special. And again, that is happening all the time at Sprout Money. So make sure you keep them in mind whenever you're in the market to get some physical metal. I would imagine, Connor, you and a number, uh, a vast percentage even, of Canadian citizens are looking into physical precious metals these days. You've been reminded lately of the value of them, haven't you? Oh, my gosh, Craig. How about this? I'm short Trudeau and I'm long gold. Oh, I like it. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's probably the best sales pitch I've ever heard by... uh, anyone ever in terms of owning precious metals, gold or silver. And I'm actually talking about physical ones. Like when the government's telling you that they might uh, confiscate your bank account or your crypto uh, because you've given $50 to the truckers. I mean, like, are they going to seize your trading accounts too? Are they going to take in your RSP? Uh, You know, I, my guess is it's looking like yes. And, uh, that's the ultimate reason right there to own gold and silver is just your fiat money. Uh, you should probably take some of that and buy some physical gold and silver from Sprout Money. Absolutely. What, what is happening to you people up there, Connor? I, I mean, uh, how are your they, guess how is as good as mine these days, Craig. I, I'm befuddled by it daily. I just can't believe that there isn't like some way for a popular, I mean, the amount amount of people that are going along with this and cheering it on, Connor. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that the uh, global response in terms of what the truckers have done, where you see there's uh, trucker convoys globally, all in response to, you know, COVID lockdowns and, you know, that type of thing. It's just, it's gone on way too long and people have just had enough. Yeah. You know, and, and all of a sudden, the story is kind of changing out there where you're not really hearing a lot about COVID these days. Right. You're starting to hear a little bit more geopolitical uh, aspects of things at the moment. Well, that's for certain. And, and maybe that'll be the thing that eventually um, gets some of that stuff to go away. It, Cause it does seem as again, we're in a kind of a waning cycle 
of COVID at this point. And hopefully we won't cycle back up again anytime uh, ever, but we'll see. Uh, that then of course is prompted uh, globally, well, at least in the, in the West, in Canada, in the US, this idea of monetary tightening, running off of QE and that sort of thing. And before the geopolitics kicked in, what were we talking, six or seven rate hikes in the US? Yeah, yeah, um, right, right. Gold's been, gold's been rallying. Uh, yeah. What do you make of all that? Outside well, of the geopolitics, gold's been rallying on the higher interest rates. Yeah, you know what? It's funny that uh, I, I wonder sometimes when I read the headlines whether or not they're expecting seven interest rate hikes in March alone. Right. You sit there and go, oh, uh, real, oh another interest rate hike. I think that... Uh, you know, Goldman, Bank of America, JP Morgan, they've all got seven to, I don't know, 700 interest rate hikes for the year. But now all of a sudden you're getting into the time where, uh, as we were talking about the ge geopolitical, like obviously Russia, Ukraine uh, making uh, headlines. But I think the bigger thing that's going on for gold and silver at the moment is um, inflation. There is a major inflation problem and it's getting worse by the day. You see the Import prices in that uh, came out uh, February 16th, they're up 2% month on month. It doesn't sound like a lot, but 2% month on month, you kind of go, well, to multiply that by 12 and then compounded, you're talking about close to 30% for import prices year over year. And that's a pretty steep number when you're talking about that people really haven't seen 30% appreciation in their uh like salaries or income or wages or anything like that of the sort. So uh, all, all the while, you're undoubtedly going into a slower period. Uh, Atlanta Fed, I think the, the for Q1, they've got something like 1%. And I think a lot of that is like inventory rebuild, which was essentially what Q4, almost 50% of the, the uh, Q4 GDP gain was an inventory build. And uh, ultimately... You're, you're going into a slower uh, growth environment at the same time where inflation's getting ramped up, but then the Fed has to make this big decision about where interest rates should go uh, on the order of about 25 basis points. But that's in order to uh, subdue what is something like 10 to 15% CPI per year. Right. And it, you know, I think the realization is taking hold that they're never going to be able to raise rates high enough to where it gets above that level of inflation. And then, you know, the right. real in negative real rates are here to stay. Right. Well, and, and on the back of that, Craig, like what do they do? They sit there and go, okay, well, we'll, we'll raise interest rates, but mortgage applications are already crashing. I think the number this morning was down 13% for the week. And then the, <laughs> the week before they were down five and a half percent. So ratchet up interest rates, fine, but kill the housing uh, recovery or bull market uh, and also continue to just destroy the NASDAQ in terms of longer duration assets. Um, and uh, you, you know, they're, they're stuck from that perspective alone. Right. Right. Well, let's bleed this over into commodities then in general, Connor, before we get to the precious metals and the shares. Um, it, it, the commodity markets ha have been already moving up strongly this year, uh, even before all this geopolitical stuff reared up. Yeah. Uh, it, it, a lot of things look to be breaking out. And obviously those are inputs that are going to drive inflation even higher. How do you see commodities totally. in general? Is that a big driver? Totally. Well, look at this. Look at this. Okay. What is a, a 50 po basis point interest rate hike supposed to do about supply side problems? 
like like let's let's give a few examples. Oil prices almost a hundred dollars. Natural gas, food at all time highs. Rice, wheat, corn, aluminum, nickel, tin. Just name the commodity, and it's it's not necessarily limit up, but like these things have had huge moves, and they show no signs of abating in terms of uh, accelerating higher. So, you know, in terms of commodity land, it's very difficult to uh, have a 25 basis point or 50 basis point move in, in the uh, Fed funds in order to subdue any prices like that, because these are supply side issues. Right. Like it's not going to do. There's no net effect. You know. How about the geo geopolitical aspect is that we're now dealing with that's really ramped up in the last uh, couple of weeks. What do you, uh, I mean, typically it, it's always been, you know, my experience at price spikes on geopolitics don't hold because usually it simmers down, but it doesn't seem to be simmering down this time. Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah. there's a lot of other things going on, as we've mentioned before, uh, just in this conversation alone, where the economy's weakening, you've got the, obviously the geopolitical on it, but like, do you think that ultimately if the Ukraine Russia thing was going on that like, what are you taking off the gold price? 10, $15, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> $20. I don't know what's built into it. I truthfully don't know. But again, as we're talking about a lot of these supply side issues in terms of silver, like what's the silver deficit going to be this year? A couple hundred million ounces. If all of a sudden ETFs start to ramp up uh, or, or sorry, soak up supply again and just about everybody that you would know globally is probably uh, going to places like Sprout Money to buy gold and silver. And it looks as though that central banks are continuing to buy uh, gold in big, big size. I think India took in a thousand tons last year for the entire country. Like that's a third of global supply, by the way. Yep. So you know, like in terms of demand, it's obviously all there. Like, it seems like for, for me, in terms of all the other metals that you're talking about or gas, oil, the demand is there. It's just that all of a sudden the supplies dried up. You look at the last like 14 years in terms of what people have put into uh, commodities and in terms of like uh, asset based growth for other companies, it's de minimis. These people were just merely hanging on. Mm -hmm. Well, let's turn this then to uh, what you and Eric do on a daily basis, and that is primarily dealing with the mining shares. Um, right. Let's start with the large cap stuff. You know, the GDX, if we use that as a proxy, has been, it broke out. It's like a massive cup and handle formation on the chart. Right. That little right. flag handle, it looks like it's trying to finally break above there. You know, and some have said there's a reason why we've been consolidating like this. You know, the price has been going sideways for a year and yet inflation has been up. And so margins are getting squeezed and cash. Totally. Um, do you sense that? Let's, let's start there. How are you guys positioning yourselves in terms of that? Do you sense now maybe things are turning around uh, with price going higher and you start looking at the majors first or where are you? Well, we never really go down to the majors, but we are okay. always majorly exposed in terms of uh gold and silver investments there's uh, probably i'm going to say a hundred investments that we have and there a uh, hundred of them are uh, exposed to gold and silver so it ranges anywhere from a five million dollar market cap uh explorer to 
something like First Majestic, which produces 25 million ounces of silver equivalent a year. Yep. Uh, and in that range, uh, we find ourselves with a few uh, interesting companies that uh, we hope will be the biggest beneficiaries of a move like this. And ultimately, the GDX and the G- associated companies is typically not our bag. You might find us in the GDXJ brackets on occasion. Uh, but uh, even that kind of, we, we wouldn't find ourselves in the, the bigger market cap names in the GDXJ either. Okay. What, yeah. How about this, Connor? You know, I've, I've noticed uh, in the years I've been doing this that bull cycles in the shares usually begin with the larger cap ones. You know, sure. that that's sure. where the institutions start to nibble first. I've noticed the GDX outperforming the GDXJ. Craig, that breakout in Barrick is very, very significant. Yeah. Make no mistake. Okay. This stock goes from 23, almost to 30 today. And I'm talking in Canadian dollars and on massive volume. And there's call buyers all over the place in GDX, GDXJ, GLD, Barrick itself. And all of a sudden that money starts to trickle down and look for other places to go. And it looks for places like okay, let's look down at Eldorado. Let's look down at First Majestic. Let's mm-hmm. look down at some of the other companies that uh, you, I'm sure that you'll probably ask me about, like uh, like Corora Resources, a great producer in Australia that produces 100,000 ounces plus at all in sustaining costs of about, call it 1,000 an ounce. They're making, you know, 900 bucks an ounce today. You know, mm-hmm. there's a fair bit of margin there. And then all of a sudden you're talking about this on the other side of, when you've got the NASDAQ and a lot of these other companies like, um, like let's use like Roku for an example, where it still trades at 65 times EBITDA, but meanwhile it's down 85%. <laughs> like, does anybody want that to be holding that bag anymore? Does anybody want to see whether or not that can turn around into a supposed a raising, uh, a rising interest rate environment? I don't think so. You know, and especially while the economy is slowing. Right, right. So, so then, Connor, does it go? Uh, or at least, or let me ask, phrase it this way: Do you see it like the way I've seen it? You kind of flow from the large ones, the GDX style, to the GDXJ starts to pick up. Sure. Finally, totally. get kind of a price breakout that gets people excited about the expiration companies again. Is there yes. a price where you guys? I mean, I know you're already heavily invested in that sector, but is there a price for gold or a breakout in gold that you're looking for that would really begin to drive interest there again? Well, I'll say, I think a lot of people have taken a lot of stock in what Michael Oliver's work uh, has been for uh, gold and silver. And he he was kind of saying for gold, it's 1835. And clearly we broke out through that. Now in silver, it's $24.45. And as I'm watching it, it's 24.47 now. It needs to close at a week higher than that. But I think once momentum people start to see where the momentum is, where it is no longer in NASDAQ, it's no longer, the NASDAQ is not going up every day. That all of a sudden, a lot of money is finding its way into commodities and the things that are working. Portfolio managers have to go to the places where it's working. Because their jobs depend on it. Their jobs depend on positive returns. So they've got to go there. They have to see in the screens every day when they see Barrick going up daily. They better do something about it because all the other stocks that they own, they aren't working right now. So does it end up proliferating down further in, in terms of market cap? Absolutely. It just takes a little bit of time. 
obviously the markets are just soft in general. So you just get a little bit of risk off where people are losing in other places. And then they generally have to sell some things uh, in order to finance maybe margin uh, obligations, right. you know? Right. So. Well, I tell you, it, uh, it certainly is shaping up to be an interesting year. I remember discussed calling it a wildly volatile and unpredictable year. And we're certainly headed right. down that road. We're only two months in. Um, and you know what, Craig, I'll just say one more thing about that in terms of like the wildly volatile year. As you say that, you know, the, the 5,000 year high in gold was $2,075. Right. You're literally $270 from a 5,000 year high. Yeah. Like everybody's got to be a little bit patient. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Just hold on. Yeah. And, and again, yeah. remind yourself, like you said, as we were discussing Canada, why you own that stuff in the first place, you totally. know, I'm sure you've been worried about, I mean, we've been worried on my side about the war on cash for a decade, right? Yes. yes. And jeez, uh, all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's are. not like the last 18 months hasn't been challenging. You know, it's been very, very challenging to watch uh, other asset prices going up while you're fighting the good fights and believing where you should be sitting is ultimately the right place, but taking the beatings kind of almost on a daily. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. As, as we wrap up, I, you know, we had some people write in uh, when they heard you're going to be the guest and, and ask uh, for your opinion on a, just a, a handful of names. I, I figured I'd just pick off a couple. Um, there's one, I, I know I've heard Eric talk about this one before called pure gold. Is there anything you can sure. tell us about that? Yeah. 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 Well, okay. The, the uh, pure gold, uh, they just did a financing that reminds me a lot of when Jaguar mining did a financing at eight and a half cents. Now that's split adjusted 85 cents, but ultimately Anglo or Anglo Ashanti puts in 16 million and then they, they come out with 19.9% of the company. Um, and it ne- the stock price never sees the issue uh, price again uh, of 53 cents. And when, when the company becomes capitalized with a partner like that, who's obviously done their, technical due diligence and is fully capable of understanding that yes indeed that this mine is indeed capable of producing 80,000 100,000 ounces 200,000 ounces that they're probably putting their money where their mouth is and uh i'd bet that if you see pure gold turning around with that kind of level of partnership where they they're kind of getting to um those levels of production that you'll probably end up seeing Anglo gold Ashanti take them out, like to have something in Ontario uh, that's producing kind of anywhere from 80,000 and to the dream 200,000 ounces. Uh, it's not going to last anywhere near that long. Yeah. Uh, you'll probably see it get taken out well before then. So yeah. I'm optimistic for a turnaround in pure gold. Ultimately they've had some difficulties, uh, a teething pains. I'll just call them in, in the, in the beginning stages of uh, mining, but Hopefully that's behind them and there's, you know, a lot of positive um, things to come from them for the balance of the year. All right. And how about just yeah. one more? Uh, what's APM? APM. APM is Andean Precious Metals. So that's one of my favorite companies. I'll tell you why, because it's very easy for people to understand it. I was a broker before, so you kind of had to uh, pitch ideas to individuals and to clients and you know, kind of get behind things like this. And 
a lot of the times with like exploration companies, it's difficult because you're just ultimately an investor has to be very patient. Uh, you're selling a dream ultimately. And, uh, you know, there might not be much there, but in the case of anti and precious metals, it's, it's very easy to understand. They produce 6 million ounces of silver per year. And the wow. company has a 220 million us market cap, but they have a hundred million us in cash. And that grows, by the way, by 10 million U.S. per quarter. So it has an enterprise value of 120 million. They have 100% ownership of a commercial level oxide plant in Bolivia that probably has a $300 million replacement value uh, in today's inflation adjusted uh, territory, you know. And um, they actually just had a, their latest life of mine expansion study, which goes gives them 10, 10 years of 6 million ounces of production of silver. And the best part of it is now that they've shown in this uh, life of mine study is that they have uh, a thousand tons of tin production and hmm. tin, <laughs> tin sells at $45,000 a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in terms of tin producers, I, I can't name one. I literally just can't name one. It's, it's kind of like, trying to find natural silver producers. It's, they're very, very difficult right. to find. Right. They're generally byproduct of something else. Uh, and in the case of Andean, you get silver and then you get tin, two very rare metals to find. And it's a lovely combination. And especially with a balance sheet like that, like it yeah. gives them the ability uh, to do just about anything they want. And, and in terms of uh, dilution, which shareholders are very... Uh, concerned concerned with and rightfully so because it ends up um really knocking any momentum out of a story knowing full well that oh, okay these guys just had a great bunch of drill holes but they're going to have to raise money and then there's probably going to be a warrant overhang but in this case there's no such thing as that you 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 know it's quite the opposite story they would be the acquirer and most likely deploying some of that cash to do so and some combination of debt because knowing full well that if they're doing 10 million in free cash flow a quarter, uh, that some bank would probably help them underwrite some acquisition or something like that. But either way, uh, the story tells for itself of, with 6 million ounces of production for 10 years and the uh, tin kicker. It's a beautiful Jeez. story. And that much yeah. cash. Again, that's a new one for me. Andean precious metals like the Andean. Yeah, yeah. 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 Andean. APM is the symbol. Yeah. I got to check that yeah. one out. And very well run from management perspective. Uh, yeah, I have nothing but good things to say about that. I'm glad somebody asked about that. Well, there you go. There's some value for everybody. That's, that's an easy listening. one. Well, and, and I, that's that's a great new name. We're always looking yeah, for yeah. interesting in the menu laid that. That's I'm glad that got brought up as well. Again, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's great value to all this information that Sprott Money puts out, whether it's uh, things like this or the Ask the Expert segment that was recently posted with Peter Bookvar who is a chief investment officer and was bleakly capital, I believe is what his firm is called. Anyway, fascinating general discussion that would sprout money posted about a week ago. You should look for that on their website. And really there's all sorts of information that sprout money puts out besides just uh, being a great bullion company. If you want to make sure you're notified every time something is posted, just sign up for their free email newsletter and you'll get an email every time something new comes out. Because again, there's all kinds of hidden nuggets 
in all of this information that they provide. Again, we've been speaking with Connor O'Brien. Connor, uh, one of Eric Sprott's business partners, so you know he's wired in pretty well. And uh, it's been a fascinating discussion. Connor, thank you so much for your time. Oh, oh, Craig, anytime. I appreciate it. Well, hopefully we can do this again soon. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. We'll have more content like this for you in the days ahead.